Hello, this is the Tribe Stories, the curated sermons, conversations, and collections of poetry of the Tribe Lagos. The Tribe Lagos is a gospel expression based in the city of Lagos, committed to reaching the next generation with the message of God's love and grace. May this refresh and revive you as you listen. Today we're on to sonship. The interesting thing about sonship is that um, it's very different. I think that sonship in the context of the gospel is, is the age in which we're coming into. And the diet of sonship is not the diet of church. No, church people cannot handle sonship. They will prosecute sonship because sonship is always is so radical. You know, if the church could handle sonship, Jesus would have lived. Yeah, they couldn't handle it. Because so Jesus just came to break everything. He was the first person that in Revelation, you know what it says, that have opened a door that no one can shut. What was the door? The door to how you see God. He said, For henceforth, do not see God as an angry father, as a loving father. See God. That is what he says. I've opened the door, no one can shut. The door he opened is see. Everybody thought God was a judge and was a jury, was everything. But Jesus said, all of those things are just a fragment of all that he is. Let me give you the full picture. Fatherhood is how he wants to be revealed. And that was the first shock. He now told them the second thing. He said, see, as you see this God, uh, also see yourself as a son. And he, you know, he even made some more damning claims. The third one told them, I am his location. Yes. I mean, his location, that one was tough because they said, they said, um, one they said, um, um, show us the father, since you say you know the father. I said, if you see me, you see my father. No, Jesus was not making a claim that was not true of us. Sin has made us believe otherwise. So Jesus was God's restoration. So the way he said it, God is where I am. As I am, so is he. I am one with God. That was his claim. That's sonship. So all they have told you is that the man of God is the image of God. You and your addiction and your two girlfriends, you're not the image of God. But the truth is that what will liberate you is getting into the identity of who you are. You can never function be, be, be above the identity that you have. So Jesus was clear about it. He made a point that I and my father are one. If you see me, you see my father. And so they, everyone struggled because he was not so. God was distant. He was up in the sky. This man said he knows God personally. They struggled. The third one, he told he shocked them. He was quoting David. He said, I, don't you know that ye are God's? That was the one that couldn't, they couldn't handle. That day they gathered stones. If you go and read it, they gathered stones. They said, you that is a man mortal. You dare say you are one with God. Are you, you are made him. He now told them, what are you guys trying to kill me for? I'm quoting David in Psalms 82 verse 6. I'm quoting David. David said it himself. You are gods. So why would you then suddenly otherwise not believe what David said? That you are gods, but you are dying as mortals because you don't even know the truth of your identity. Now, why does it even matter? Why would you understand? Because there are three ways you can approach your identity. Genesis 1 verse 26 gives us a clue. So please, can I get the board and the marker so it can be fast? You know, <laughs> can be fast. But guys, what you understand first of all, eh, when Adam was in the garden, bro, this is my, this is my, oh no, I didn't see it anywhere. But I know that Martin might understand it. Do you know, when Adam was walking around, creation thought God was the one walking. Yeah, when he was working out, that was why Jesus Christ, when they asked Jesus, show me the father, I said, see him. And they couldn't understand it. They said, how dare you claim to be him? That was what Adam was. The only person I didn't know who he was, was Adam. That's why in Romans 8, 19, it says the earnest expectations of creation are waiting again, the manifestations of the sons of God, because sonship is the awakening of the father in you. 
that you now know that Father lives in you, Christ in you, the hope of God. Paul kept telling them, no, God said the interesting thing is no longer I live. The new creation is that God has come back to live in a man. So what entered you when God breathed into you was not air. Guys, okay. See what, give me one, um, no, no, I think one verse, when he said, let us make God, 26, in Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Now let's hold it, first of all, let us make man in our image. Guys, the mystery of this thing, eh? God didn't say, let me make man. Let us make us. Us is somehow, is plural. There is more than one inside. Now in many religions of the world, they have a monotheistic God. So it's not, if you're reading it in Islam, it will be different too. Islam will read, and God said, let me make man. Because the only concept of Trinity is a Christian USP. <laughs> That's unique selling proposition. But let's not call it sales right now. But it is the unique revelation. You understand? But it's not in Islam. So Trinity is the unique thing in the gospel. If you take Trinity for your gospel, everything will crash. So the mystery of the Trinity is that there is God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Now, it's such a mystery because they say they are one in three persons. I remember this book, The Shark. When Mackenzie met with God, he asked the question, where were you the day they killed your son? Because in his own mind, he lost his daughter. Somebody, his daughter was kidnapped and killed. So he, had, he told God, you watch my daughter die or something like that. That got in the way of his relationship with God. And he now saw God. He said, where were you? You know what God did? God showed him his hand. And he looked at God's hand. God's hand, his own hand had nails. So what he was not, Mackenzie started to struggle because all his life was that God watched his son got murdered. Like God was participating in the murder and said, I need my pound of flesh. Somebody has to die for these sins to be forgiven. And, and no one is worthy of death. So I'll provide the sacrifice, but I'll lick the blood. So the way they understood the blood, the blood was that God was satisfying his wrath. But blood is not a bloodthirsty monster. God was shedding the blood. So the remission of your sin was the shedding of his blood. It wasn't that he was taking the blood because he couldn't forgive. God forgave even before the shedding of blood. What God needed was the washing of the lies from the heart of man. The blood was for you, not for God. Because you believe the lie, God did not change his mind about you on the cross. It was our minds that changed. Because God has always been Father, God has always been love. We woke up that day and they realized that there's something here. He took those nails. So Paul said, for God was in Christ dying to reconcile the world to himself. So Paul started to put context. That it wasn't so much that God was in Christ killing. But God was in Christ dying. So we see a picture of the Father that was vulnerable. Up until that time, God could not feel, God could not love. God was always in an angry mood. So Peter's, Paul started to change that image of who God is. But one thing you must understand, first of all, if you root your revelation of God aside the revelation of Christ and what Christ revealed about God, you will struggle. You will struggle. You will not be able to run well because you'll be thinking there's this potential dark side that only you... God has that nobody has seen. So when he was saying, let us make man in our image, don't forget, and I remember teaching this in one of the classes here, God was not, when God was making everything else, God spoke to the source from which that thing came. You understand? When, was, when God was going to make fishes, he spoke to the water. Water, let fish come forth out of thee. Fishes came out, and the fish has not finished since. When God was making birds, he spoke to the air. Somehow, it was like the very environment where you needed to function was what God spoke to to bring you out. When God was going to make plants, he spoke to the earth, ground, bring forth plants. But Baba didn't speak to anything else when he was going to make man. He spoke to himself. So what a sand is to plant, what a water is to fish, God has become to man. Yes. 
So God is the source from which man came. You understand? And that's why, that was why for you to be redeemed, your source has to come and redeem you. So the, your value is found in the price of your redemption. Yes. That if a, a God had to die to redeem you, you were God in disguise. Nothing less could have redeemed but that very quality from which you came. So look at Isaiah, Isaiah 51 verse 1. Please, can you give me that? Very interesting scripture. So guys, this is what sonship is. Sonship banishes distance. Sonship brings you into this place where you begin to relate to God as a son. And what it means is that wherever God is, wherever you are, God is. Toby said something, was it Toby or if I, um, Ike, one of them said something this morning in the class. And guys, sign up for that class. So we started this new uh, uh, school of spirits this morning, 9 to 10. That thing is life-changing. Please, we're not into religion. We're not into religion. That's why someday you don't, you don't see any of us for one year. We're doing spirits. You understand? Don't be boxed by religion. So sign up, or let's, and part of it is on learning the lies they boxed you into. So there is a big part of the construction. Because in your own mind, if you don't believe who God is, you will never function in your own true identity because you are not found other than in God. So see what he says here. Listen to me. You will follow after righteousness. You will seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn, to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. Now what is he saying? Hmm. Let me give you a picture here. He said, look to the rock from which you were hewn. Right? That word is like you cut, you cut the pebble. Remember how he's explained it here? That if you take a rock, you know this small pebble, if you cut a rock, any science student here? Real science student. <laughs> These days you have to put it in context. If you take it to, if, if you actually take it to the lab, if you x-ray the elements in the small pebble, are they going to be different from the element in the big one? So he was teaching, Isaiah was writing here, that you were a piece of God. That what God breathed into man was not anything else but his essence, the substance. All civilization on this world created by man Good and evil, man. The salvation of the world is not on God, though, it's on man. It's that we have to awaken to our role and do it. That's why Isaiah 60 was talking about, system was saying that this is what it is, that we are called to rebuild the bridges, we are called to do this. It was giving us our job description as sons, but that's another class. Right? This morning, I want us to just dwell on the fact that to be called a son of God is to be not just be made in the image and likeness of God, but to be carved from his substance and his essence, to carry him in yourself and live from him as you. To carry him within you and live from him as you. That was why Paul said that no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. Now, let me give you one other picture that might help. The wave and the ocean. Do you know, the wave that you see, eh, that wave <laughs> and the ocean are one. So you see the wave dancing. There was this book I'm writing. I played around this concept. I said something that one day the wave said to the ocean. You know, people go to see the wave somehow. Ocean is, not, ocean is a bit boring just large. You understand? Wave has attitude. In a very way, it, makes, it has some arrogance. But it makes it look elegant. So the wave was flashed and everybody was like, whoa, whoa, you know, taking their selfie, dancing with the wave. And the wave said to the ocean, ocean, I don't think I want to be with you anymore. Like, the way it's looking like, it's like I'm just bringing the attraction. Right? People are coming to see me. Right? I think I'm going to move out of here and, um, you know, and get my own land and let people come and see me, then, you know, this, this relationship, we can't deal. And you know what the ocean said to the wave? Wave, every step you take away from me, you cease to exist. Because the wave outside the ocean does not exist. But that ocean, picture it as the love of God. 
So when Paul was saying, nothing can separate us from the love of God, because outside the love of God, man cannot exist. The version of yourself you know outside of love is actually a false person. That person eh, is what needs to die. That false self has to be nailed to the cross. So Jesus was teaching. I mean, the last time I spoke, Matthew 16, he was talking about who do men say I am. Can we start with that? Who do men say I am? And because at the end of the day, you know, this thing, we meet it in Lagos. So. You will always go back to your source to find out who you are. Just two people just jam for road. Suddenly, one person has come out. Do you know who I am? <laughs> it's Lagos P. You understand? Like, and then suddenly, the person will just carry his phone. Hold on. Excuse me. Two people were just calling. Who want to call? It's like all those younger brothers that used to believe in school. They will not be looking for their big brother. Wait, I'm coming. My brother is coming. They'll be going to their brother's class. Come, 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 come. He might come out. He might come out. At the end of the day, that's what was going on here. So Jesus, Jesus was just parading him, saying, um, no, 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 please go back. Um, it's Matthew 16. Verse, go, go down to 17. No, okay, we've we gone far. Just backtrack a bit. Backtrack to like 15. Now, backtrack. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, I, the Son of Man, am? Next. So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of them the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Now let's pause here for a second. I keep asking you guys that if you have to process the many things that Jesus handled in his time, he wasn't just only the, he was many things. Um, but when Peter was answering, if Peter had said, thou art Jesus, the son of Joseph, would he have been wrong? No, no, no. He indeed was the son of Joseph. Now, because we know the backstory that Joseph was not a real father, he was just the father. We can step it down a little and said, thou art Jesus, the son of the Virgin Mary. Now that, that's on profile. Imagine being the first child born by a virgin. No, though your mind cannot handle it, but that's on profile. The bio would have been quite intimidating. But he didn't use any of those things. Now, he was also a carpenter. Plus the anointing in Christ. I don't think the carpenter would make a bad work. So guys, let's even fix it. The carpenter would be of the finest kind. Yet he did not say, that the carpenter of Jerusalem. No, that would have helped because just would have helped me, Peter, you're sitting on my chair, of course, you know. That may have given me a bit of help. But my point is, he didn't use the roles to define his identity. He could have used many things. Now, we didn't know the women's side very much. So we couldn't, we couldn't dial into that. But let's stay where the Bible has started. Even back there, they said, they said things like, you are you're, 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 you're John the Baptist. Some say you're John the Baptist. Now, it's almost like you're calling whiskey Davido. Because they were both around. You understand? John was moving stuff, but in the wilderness. Now, the way John was rolling there was that John's meetings used to be locust and honey. John preached, he would preach ferociously for hours. But down the line was the tribe assembly by Jesus. <laughs> they served coffees in the morning. So Jesus' own meetings were quite lavish. Baba will finish preaching and then there'll be, there'll be bread and fish. Well-cooked sardine. The only person that was angry in those meetings were Judas. Because Judas felt the money should be saved, not served. So my point is, Jesus will show up at a wedding. If John shows up at the wedding, he'll say, you, you brood of vipers. 
You guys, so people were scared of John. John was a terror. He was on his repent ye, or the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent ye. Yeah, John was threatening. Jesus would show up at the wedding. And, and then the next thing, everybody was shy. You know? you know, my point is that at the end of the day, the, the, even at that wedding, people came and confronted Jesus and said, they told the people, you guys are a very dangerous couple. I see this marriage is going to last. Because you guys kept the wine for last. You know, and you know, someone else could have told them, this kind of wine, we need to put some label and ensure that it's exported <laughs> to the part of the world. You know, but that was how Jesus wrote. You know how many times Jesus served communion? Every time there was bread and wine. And I don't think the bread and wine was this kind that we're taking. But, but let's live with it. Let's live with it. But the word must have been lavish because it's, I'm going to want fellowship once where the bread was a bread indeed. <laughs> that body of Christ was a body. So the way they, I don't know how some people, like some people have imagination, but the pastor had a revelation that he wanted us to picture the abundance of God. So they passed a loaf of bread. But this was long before COVID, if not the people they talk. But I was wise enough to collect inside. I dug a hole. You understand? Because I don't understand how a whole loaf of bread caught bread, pass, pass. The thing was going through road. As it was going through, it was diminishing. But I'm sure the man of God expected it to multiply. But in this, in this picture, the bread, the bread traveled and lessened, lessened until it got finished. But great was the supply. You know, that was the kind of, but some people would come to Jesus' meeting. There was even ones they showed up and they told Jesus, um, well, today's teaching has gone on for too long, Jesus. Is there a way we can have some, um, they, they go and read it. They, they solicited miracle. They said, we don't understand what's going on. I, think, I mean, it's important that people have overstayed. I mean, this service has gone on for four hours. Can we now have some bread? And when Jesus even told them that day, it's like he didn't give them. Because he told them, some of you came for bread. So then you live with the bread of the world. They were not prepared for that. But in any case, at the end of the day, Peter saw this. You are the Christ, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, here is what I need us to all keep in mind. It is almost anti counterintuitive to define yourself as this. None of us, in the day-to-day -day existence of our lives, can follow this thing. Do you know what it means to you that? Yeah, it's easier said than done. That is Christ, the Son of the living God. Yes, yes. But Baba, if I ask you some questions, you'll be surprised how this thing is not on your radar. And that is why we're having crisis. The church of God, quite frankly, is a contradiction. I meet a lot of Christians, pressure. Everything is happening to them. They are sleeping in and out of depression. Do you know why? It's actually an identity crisis. Because the son cannot be depressed. The son cannot actually be overwhelmed. So I would ask you a few questions today to help you know what is your basis of identity. So we've actually said here, he used the son, right? So this is his sonship as the basis. Now, this is what true identity is in Christ. You are the son of the living God. You are the son of Christ. And I told you guys, before Jesus began his ministry, God understood that life would test your source. Life would test your meaning. Life would test your identity. Life would test your purpose. Life would test your significance. So God had to give Jesus pee. And the day he was baptized, God came through, right? In Matthew 3, he came out and told, he said, you know what he told in Matthew 3, 17? He says, um, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So what we saw there was that Jesus did not need to perform miracle for him to be called the beloved son. At this time, there was no wine. In fact, at this time, he was just retiring from carpentry work to go into full-time ministry. That was where he was. Not even a soul had been raised from dead. That on account, God, chose to, God loved him even before he performed. So his ministry was not his identity. 
It wasn't the miracles that gave him identity, guys. He was. It's the sonship. What is important here is that the love of God mm, is the only thing you cannot lose in life. Because it's not yours to keep. Yeah. Anything that is yours to keep, you lose. And, and it's not, it's, you cannot lose the love of God because it's not man's role to judge. If it depends on man's opinion, you lose it. So there are many ways we've defined ourselves today that is keeping us under the bondage of perennial anxiety, anguish, insecurities. You're being played up by your own emotions. Why? Because your identity is misaligned. So this entire relationship, you know how we said it, there is love at the core. So tribe, one of the things God has called us to do is to walk you out of fear into love. So one of the ways you will discover tribe is that you must come into a revelation of the love of God. Like you cannot be here and not touch it. See, all those our friends have gone to Canada. You know, people were just, were just relocating. At some point, I, got, I was worried if the sermon was an escapist sermon. You understand how people were moving. So, you know, at the end of the day, but when they get here, we call this man, that love thing that we're talking about. And, like, I was glad I touched it. Because when they go to some places, it's rare. So people start with the love of God and end with the fear of God. You know, some, some people start in grace. And when they're calling you in a law, so brother, the grace of the Lord is unto you, but have you served the Lord? Have you given the Lord? <laughs> No, 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 no. If you read Paul, and this is not the appeal. There's grace upon grace. In fact, when Paul was teaching, he says, even where sin abounds, grace, grace much more. Like he was saying that you cannot outsin grace. Grace has swallowed sin. Sin abets is a fish in the ocean of grace. It pales into insignificance. You understand? So let your identity be that you are loved by God. It's the first thing first. Sonship, if you're writing, the, the concept of sonship is that you're beloved by God. God said, this is my beloved son, in whom I well please. That is the basis of sonship. That you're loved by God. Now, there is also everything else. Whether it is here on this side, Peter said this, um, Jesus said this by revelation. He said, flesh and blood has not revealed as, um, it's my father that has revealed this unto you. So the beauty of sonship is that it is actually given by revelation. Why the Holy Spirit has been given to us is actually the spirit of revelation. Let's look at Galatians 4 verse 1. That this is one of the mysteries. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of sonship to guide us into all that is ours, our inheritance in Christ, to guide us to assess the mysteries of God. It is why we are given. The Holy Spirit is not to speak in tongues and then sit down in the house. No. The Holy Spirit is to transform your world through the deposit of your sonship because the key of your sonship is the access to everything in this life. Everything rises and falls on the revelation of your identity. A son is not waiting for God to manifest. A son manifests God. A son is asking God, God, what would you have me do? That one now, Nepios. No, now, we did Galatians 4. Like, is the child that will be asking God, no, no. When you, how many times did Jesus go and say, God, should I heal this sick now? God, I need to heal this sick. Oh, Lord, Father, tell me what to do. No, Jesus didn't anguish over healing the sick. In fact, some people did not actually, he did not even know that they were touching him. They were collecting. But I didn't give them, they collected. That one that came to touch the hem of his garment, he was just going, he just said, Vertue left me. And I said, there's this car I used to use once. I just realized Vertue left the car. <laughs> you know, some car Vertue has left. But this one, as they touched the hem of the garment, Vertue left. He just said, Vertue left, who touched me? You understand? He looked at the woman and said, woman, what great faith you have. So, you, you've prayed, you know what? But the point is that, Baba, people touch him and collected. It's consciousness, though. When you stay in the consciousness that you're a son, you assess those things. We, you know what C.S. Lewis said? That, oh, the tragedy of man is that we are so easily satisfied. We become too accustomed to the broken things. So, you're, you're looking for, just um, somebody do Uber, uh, Uber for you, you're grateful. Yeah, we have to be grateful for little things. But why are you not the one with the money doing the request for everybody else? Just that somebody, you understand, you know, 
Let's stay here. So, identity, revelation. This, on this side, there are other ways in life that we define ourselves other than revelation. If you were born in this world and you were raised by human beings, you are going to define yourself by relationship or by your roles. So there are two ways. There's identity by relationship, right? And I'll talk about that. And there's identity, identity by role. But let's read this. Now, I say that the heir, as long as he's a child, does not differ at, at all from a slave, though he is the master of all. Now, this heir is talking about the son. He's saying that the son is a master of all. Some people don't get that part because they'll be looking at, oh, does not, no, 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 no. He's saying that though he's a master of all, but by function and revelation, he has not come into that place. So he's no different from a servant. So first of all, you, a son, you're not on the pedigree of a servant type of thinking. I'll dive into that. So at the end of the day, now I say that the, the hair, as long as he's a child, does not differ from at all from a slave, though he's a master of all, but he's under guardians and steward until the time appointed by the father. Even so, when we, when we were children, were in the bondage under the elements of the world. Let's go for. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Now, some people read this scripture, they go back to before Jesus died. So they'll be telling themselves that I'm still a child waiting for the death of Jesus. But he wasn't writing to that. He's saying that now upon the fullness of time, after Jesus died, there was no need for you to be a nepios. Every son that has the spirit and is led by the spirit of God is a son of God. So, so long as you have the Holy Spirit, your mind needs to be renewed so you can soft in your sonship. So you can, you can transact or you can, actually, you can actually traffic realities from the place of sonship. To traffic reality from sonship is that you're coming with abundance. The sonship is not, is not a jarrah, it's not, it's not my, my. All right, so let's go five. Five. To redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. So this is the mystery. The coming of Christ was to bring us to sons. You know how this person said it again? I don't know if it was C.S. Lewis now, it was Charles Spurgeon. He said that the son of God became the son of man so that the sons of men will once again discover themselves as sons of God that God sowed a seed of son so he could reap again the harvest of sonship. But the mystery of sonship is that you were not returning to what you were not. You were returning to who you've always been. When Jesus was teaching them, no, when Jesus was teaching them about the lost coin, the lost sheep, the coin had an owner. No, the coin, only those who belong can be lost. You understand? Why there was a lost qualifier there was because you once belonged. A fulefu is a fulefu if he's not home. Sorry, like there's a sense that if you've lost, you've lost. You understand? But my point is that when you are, do, even the, the lost coin had an owner. And guess what? Even the, have you seen $100 that is lost? If that thing fly through Marina, people will fight over it. They will tear it. It will be the Solomon. We'll divide it. Nobody collects. We'll divide it. Everybody got a piece. Because the lost coin never loses its value. Your value can never be diminished no matter how long you lived in the peak palace. Your value can never diminish. You belong. What defines you is the image that you carry. So if I give you that coin now, that American, this thing, if I put that American, the one put Nigeria 1000. Say, <laughs> say, choose, choose. So Nigerians will betray their loyalty. I'm afraid, I don't know if I'm that category. Yeah. If it's in the multitude, but if it's just 100, I, I think I have no loyalty crisis. I'll choose my nation. In as much as I know I have a love-hate relationship. Nigeria, but it's okay. But at the end of the day, some people would choose dollar because the image on that thing eh, 
is the image that is what gives it value. So Jesus was teaching them one day about um, identity. And you know, they came and tested him. They were like, Baba, we don't want to pay tithes. So those ones that refuse to service, if you don't pay tax here, God help us. But these guys, one day said they were not going to pay, they were testing Jesus because they wanted to trip him over. So they said, Baba, do we, should we pay tithes? No, do we pay tax? He not asked them, okay, give me a coin. They gave him coin. Such a powerful word, he said. He asked them, who is on this image? Whose who's image is on this? They said, the image of Caesar. He said, then give to Caesar what is Caesar. Mm. Now he didn't stop there. If he stopped there, he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar. Who can go? Go home. But that's not what he said. He actually said, uh, give to God what is God's. But most people didn't enter that part. You know why? Because they didn't understand he was speaking to them. Now, whose image are you? Yeah. So if you're giving to Caesar what is Caesar, you're giving to God what you are claimed. He was telling them, you own, you're owned by someone, you belong. There's a place where you come from. So that identity was about, guy, know, know your source, know your identity, know your father's house. Now, I want us to dwell on this, and I want to paint a bit of picture so we can pray. Because I feel like we're dealing with some identity crisis. So we can say, take your sonship, build from sonship. Some people know they enter. You understand? Because this place, relationship and roles, are going to be with us for a long time. So 1 John 15, let's look at that scripture. 1 John 4, 15, I guess. Where um, John was saying, we read it a lot. I read it in TPT. If, if you have TPT, read it from us there. <laughs> okay, whoever has it should read for us. So, but he was speaking of, he was speaking of something here that we all are in an enduring drama. If you are not in that drama now, you are entering that drama tomorrow. So if you are just coming out of this drama, I want to show you. But let's see. Um, not, what I'm, the one I'm looking for is... Um, uh, um, where he said the, um, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Let me see if I can. Yeah, it's two. It's not, it's not four. It's two. First John 2, verse 15. Okay, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Right? So remember here, eh, I, I, we, 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 did, we did something the last time that when we come to this point, he's saying the love of the Father is not in him. But if you read it as the love for the Father, it changes the meaning, you know. Because the love for the Father is that you are the one originating that love. But he's saying that the love of the Father is the revelation of his love for you that you receive. So it's not performance, it is reception. Right, the one you've received. So he's saying that do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in him. Now, so modern translation has upgraded. If you go to those translations before our fathers, those words would have changed it to love for. Because they're not interested in love of. They, they didn't understand love of. So they just, anywhere they see love of, they put love for. Until Paul kept saying that the love of God constrains us. So he says for all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So here is the first thing first. He has made a distinction that on this side of the spectrum of reality, identity and sonship, what you have here is the love of the Father. So he's saying that the love of the Father, he, he defined it here that revelation is how you get it. So that you are revealed, the God reveals to you that you are loved. He said the love of the Father is on this side. Now on this other side, is the lack of the love of the Father. That's the summary. Now, this lack of the love of the Father is the disease of humanity. It has a pattern to it. So the love of the Father, you know, started telling us that in the absence of the love of the Father, in our love-absent lives, in our love-absent lives, he said, this is what you find. You find lust of the flesh. The next one is lust of the eyes 
And the third one is called the pride of life. So this is what you find in our love absent lives. In this love of the Father, and we'll get into this particular one. Now, this is what you see. I want to take you guys to the temptation of Jesus. So let's look at Matthew 3, right? Matthew 4. Matthew 4, um, I think from 17 or thereabouts. He said to talk about the, the temptation of Jesus. Matthew 4, verse 1. But before we get to Matthew 4, verse 1, the last verse of Matthew 3, you know what he said? You know, usually when they wrote the Bible, they didn't break it. You understand? They break it to cram it so that they can be religious. But it's okay. Because you have to know your scriptures. My point is that at the end of the day, before that Matthew 4, guess what happened? The last verse, uh, no, Matthew 4 verse 1, the last, 317, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So God validated Jesus and approved him in this way. This was in the first public announcement. And John was present because John did the baptism. You understand? Everybody heard. Something came up. If you're looking for audible voice, okay. But this was one case where it was audible. Now let's look at one, um, uh, Matthew 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So guess what? God validates him. The next moment we find him in the wilderness, and now there is a test of his identity. See what goes on to say. And when he, was, when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, after, afterward he was hungry. Keep that word, he was hungry. Next. Now, when, he te- when, when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. Right? See what his response was. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, let's even process this first temptation. The devil comes to Jesus. We said here, the lack of love produces lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Now, which of the, this thing, what are you seeing here? First of all, Baba was hungry, registered, and then the bread must have been fresh from the oven. The kind of imagination you see. He said, can you turn these stones to bread? So the, the first thing first is that when you are trafficking in your glove-absent lives, you would always pursue for survival. All your life will be dependent on hustle because you need to attain. So Jesus said, no, in this place, we are sustained by the word of God. So here you live by bread. Here you live by the word. He said, as it is written, you now find your reality in what is written about you, not what is actually tempted or said to you. So if you are going to be driven by the opinion of people, you will struggle. Because in this lack of, lack of love, this lust of the flesh, it's so that people will see, no, you've arrived. You understand? This lust of the eye is so that you will ride it. You are what you ride. So as you're riding it, people know you've arrived. The pride of life. Let's go to the next one. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple. Now see what the tradition has said to him. If you are the son of God, what is he doing again? The first one, if you are the son of God. If you are the son of God. Do you know he knocks on your door every day asking you, are you the son? When you are broke, he does what he's asking you. Are you the son of God? Can you indeed do Yahoo so that this thing can end? You understand? So that you know that you're, can you help God? He comes with your, your own challenges and says, this is it. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Let's go to seven. Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Who was he speaking of? He was speaking on, it was double entendre. He was speaking of himself and of God. That do not tempt, because in him was the living God. He, the very son of God cannot be tempted with trivialities. But what he was telling to pull a stunt. You understand? He was telling just to pull stunt. Like, just jump. You know, some of us live in a stunt pulling life. 
chasing clouds. Because you need people's approval. Clouds is a, is a lie. Those clouds are like makeup. They are gone in the morning. Some... No, no, no. My point is that when you sleep, wake up. You Maybe some people clean before they go to bed. Okay, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you clean it. So at the end of the day, Jesus said to me, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Let's go to... Again, the devil took him up an exceedingly high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Next. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Next. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall, not, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Right? Then the devil left him. And, and behold, he said to him. When I go rich here, you understand? Some people have knocked off. That's stage one. The bread level, they are gone. They are gone. Some people, if they make it to the bed level, that fame level, the fame part, that relevance, oh my goodness, it's so hard because you're coming from a love absent life. Relevance eh, is the way you do life. You, because you need the approval, it's like a drug of choice. You need, now let me tell you eh, some questions for you as we close. Some home truths, a few questions. First of all, how are you when you're around very successful people? When you're around people who are more successful than you, how do you behave? How do you sound? Do you find yourself blowing up your reality and exaggerating yourself just to measure up? No, just think. I don't know who has that one. Let's flip it. How are you when you are around people who, are, who don't end what you do, who are not as talented as you are? One of the greatest pride of life eh, is that when you are around people who are less gifted than you, they are less because they are less. So somehow, you don't give them attention. You don't want them, to, you don't give them your number. And you never blow. So, so guys, let's just hope that... Um, no, but guys, last one. Genesis, Genesis 3 verse 16. Genesis 3 verse 16. Before we reflect, Genesis 3 verse 16. So don't forget, our God absent lives is always tempting us. See what he's saying here. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your... No, no, no. I think we have to go back track. Oh. That was before she ate the fruit. I think it's either... To... No, no, go back. I think we should go back a bit. Where he said it is pleasant to look upon. It's four, right? Let's go back. I think it's four. Now see what it says. No, keep coming. Next. Three verse four, right? No, give me three verse four. Okay, yeah, this is what I'm looking for. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took its fruit and ate. Now, the first one is what? Lust of the flesh. Lust of the eyes and the pride of life. If you profile this temptation that was given to Eve, all of them add up. First of all, she said, it was pleasant to the eyes. Lust of the, lust of the eyes. She saw it and she was like, I want it. One, love absent life. She had no revelation of love. So she was choosing to compensate what she felt she needed that she already had. So again, this one. And a tree desirable to make one wise. That's pride of life to elevate you over everybody else. And the other one is that it was, it was good for food, lust of the flesh. Now, if you and I, we are called to own, have things but not be owned by them. So, 
these things are not bad. They only become bad when you pursue them from the place of completion, thinking they will complete you because you transact from completion. You are not seeking approval. You're already approved in your father's love. So I don't need lust of the flesh to approve me. I don't need a new right to make me feel okay. I don't need a new house to make me feel okay. I don't need another billion to make me feel okay. I already am. I am because I am loved. I am complete in my father's affection. I need nothing to complete me. So anytime you try, you see yourself transacting from limitation, transacting from scarcity. Who are you? Who are you? Are you what you drive? Are you where you live? Are you other people's opinion of you? These people that are giving you opinion don't even know themselves. They are all a victim of lack of love. So you are using their barometer to measure you, but their yardstick is already wrong. So if you enter a relationship from this lack of love, you'll be terrible. One of the places you find people struggle is when you enter a relationship and you're coming from a lack of love, you're going to put a burden on the other person to love you and it's not given to them to satisfy the human longings. No human can satisfy another human. We are first satisfied in God and we come to relationship with something, not coming to demand. Yes, so love is not asked to obtain, it's asked to bring. Right, because you're already loved in God, you're planted in your father's affection. You do not need anybody to complete you, you're already complete. So when you show up in relationship and you want your husband or your spouse to love you, you are wrong. You're going to put the burden on them and break them. When you want somebody to meet that, see, and when unhealthy people are difficult to do life with. Because the point is that when you're not happy, they want you to be their source of happiness. I know you love him and you want him to be your source of happiness, but babe, he can't. The arm of flesh will fail. Nobody can do that. You, have your, your, you already found your father's love. Let God be your source. He said joy comes in the morning. The joy of the Lord is your strength, not the joy of your spouse. You understand? Someone didn't pick your call. Your whole day has gone bad. You understand? Your, your emotional timeline is like zigzag. Because you're up today, you're down tomorrow. Somebody picks your call, you're happy. They don't pick your call, you're down. Why? You made them an idol. You have actually replaced them with what you are already looking for. You already are. So when you make people an idol, you will always, be, you will always rise and fall on the opinion of you. You will fall like a pack of cards. Then they tell you you're too fat. Your whole day is messed up. You're all weak. You've left the worst <laughs> You're, yes, and you're eating the gym. But you spent time resting and you spent gymming. So at the end of the day, if you transact, if your relationship is not whole, if you're not coming from a place of love, you will always place the burden on the other person. And that is what it is. In the world today, too many broken people trying to love right. And they're looking for love in the wrong places because in the wrong places to find love in the other. The love we need is found in our Father. And we come with our Father's love to relationship and it's beautiful because we supply. And guess what? When two people are supplying love, their lives are, are, are enhanced. Yeah. So I'm, not, I'm coming to give. I'm coming to love you like my father will. I'm coming to love you like Christ loved the church. You're not saying, babe, I bought you Valentine's gift. Alpha. You understand? Because your own, your own, they are still doing 50, 50, 70, 30. I, no, I, I'm measuring. I mean, they call pass. I told you one guy was complaining. Babe, post me on Instagram. Post me on WhatsApp. If indeed I'm the only one in your life, post me on WhatsApp. The babe will just block everybody. Post him. He only will be seeing himself. <laughs> I made it, I made it. Baba, only you made it. <laughs> See, relationship, right? The other part of it is this. No, guys, let me help you free up yourself because tribe, we help you free. We are here to help you free. There was a lady that was very talented. She's, she plays instruments. She was a good singer. Her parents were very wealthy, so they put her through music school. But by 30, her music has not just taken off. She was depressed, right? And I remember she went to see this therapist and they were having a conversation. And the therapist told her that um, she's a Christian. So she talks about, I pray to God, I pray to God. And the, 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 the therapist was a Christian to just realize, ah, this girl's opinion of her, her parents' opinion of her is killing her. Yeah. 
Because she's not afraid of going home. Because when her mother sees that, her father sees, and so when are you releasing that record? And the other one you dropped, change your manager. The father will fuck, will sack anybody that was not managing well. But the things were not moving just as fast. So she was crumbling under the weight of her father's opinion. So because her career has not taken it, her worth has dropped. Because her career was her worth, her skill was her validation point. You can be the most talented, bless you, but that should never be your traffic of identity. You can be the most powerful designer on earth. It should never be the point in which you transact. Transact from love. You're complete. Because the truth is that, how would you base, like I said, God's love is unconditional. So no, you're not losing it anytime soon. But you see that profile, even if you're the most beautiful in the, on that street, a final, the beautiful ones are not yet born, no. Understand? <laughs> The beautiful ones, okay, yeah, we're all beautiful, right? But in, the, in, the, in, the, in this paradigm of human existence, you shouldn't transact from your beauty. There was a particular lady that was talking about, she's a very beautiful lady. I know guys, when you're beautiful, guys are interested. So but before long, she started to feed off that affection in such a way that her value became those affection. And when she was in a bad relationship, she could never leave because she needed those affection to feel worthy. So she went to a therapist, and the therapist was telling her, why don't you get a career? You know, now, she did not do school very well. Because there's a way your beauty can pay the bills. But the way is that when the beauty is paying the bills, when you start pushing 30, 40, the beauty might not pay all the bills. So at that point in time, this particular therapist was telling her, please, do you want to get a degree so you can get a job? And you know, she said, I, I love this, but the fear is that even if I get a degree to get a job, the degree will still be a false god. Now her beauty was holding her and was fading. And one of the neurotic insecurities of a fading star is that everybody around them becomes an enemy. You understand? And because one, your fame, do you know, one of the greatest threats of, of, um, of most successful people is the fear that they are not as gifted or are not as good as people think. So outside, they leave this larger than life image. Inside, they are crumbling because the lack of, the loss of the flesh, loss of the eye is the basis upon which they do life. St. Augustine said, our problem with the world is disordered love. Love out of order. So your loving first thing first that you should love last. All the love of people is important, but let the love of God be your basis. You build on that, my love for my mom and my dad, and their love for me. So if you arrange it, God's love for me is my basis. My dad and my mom's love for me becomes to sit on that, that, one, that one. So the love of God is not crumbling. So the day mom and dad's love vanish, you're not down. Your love, your love for everything else, your love, your, your love for your profession, everything else, disordered love. Though when St. Augustine was teaching disordered love, he was teaching it in the context of love for God, though. He was saying, love God first, love God first, and love everything next, now that we are in tribe. It is actually God's love for us that is the basis. And everything else, the, the other people's love for us come next. Love for everything people think of you, they sit on this. Now, let's talk about roles. You know, some of the most difficult people to do life with are very successful people. Do you know, have you met people whose careers are their basis of success? Yeah. Oh, some of them are terrible to be around. Terrible. Because somewhere along the line, what they produce is who they are. So business becomes the badge of honor. They don't know rest because they have to burn out to feel alive. Everybody around them is measured in productivity. You're not producing, you're not producing because why production is how they live. They've turned their, they've turned their, their stones to bread. So they've turned their stones to bread. Everybody around them has to be measured in how you produce bread. But this bread perishes. There is a bread that doesn't perish. So what are you, what are you like when you are around successful people? Now, what's the last, what is the thing today if you lose will make your life lose its meaning? Let me just ask you that question as we, think, we start closing. What is that one thing today 
that if you lose it, will make your life not worth living. Yeah? Understand that your love. Ah, powerful. But the point again is that you can't even lose that love. Because it's not dependent on how you feel. But unfortunately, how you feel interferes with how you experience it. So you are loved, but you don't know it. So you are living like you are loved, but you are not loved. Day by day. So that's the problem. Now guess what? If you think it's hard, some of us say you don't even know your heart enough. So let me not even expect you to answer that question. Because some of us don't even know our hearts. But the point again is that if I ask you today, what is that thing if you lose, will make your life lose its meaning? If it's your boyfriend, we need to transition. You know, no, you know your heart though. If it's somebody that you love and value, no, you need to transition. Because that person will be the limitation of your experience of life. If it's a job, you need to transition. No, I'm not saying resign. <laughs> you understand? But I'm saying release. I'm saying surrender it. When you hold it too tightly, it crumbles. Some of you have limited yourself because you made your power. You, you, power became the way you do life. So anything that threatens you, people that use role, when you meet them at workplace, it's, a, it's hunger game and squid game. That's what they're playing. They're playing squid game. Because at the end of the day, their, their identity is tied to the job. So you are just showing up and just trying to be good with your great slides. So I did these slides, um, and it's just a beautiful collection of slides. And the MD says, What's, I've never seen these slides in all my life. And the former slide maker was in the meeting. That is the end of um, the person's security. That day you've won yourself an enemy. So you, you, you just realize you, there is no teamwork. When the person says, no, 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 please, I, I, since you came into this company, I, I like energy. The energy around you is not the energy around me. You only suffer from the energy of sonship. You don't need anybody's approval. You're approved by your father. You're completing your father's love. When you find somebody to love, love them from the wealth of God's supply. Don't draw from the waters that will run dry. Draw from the well that will never run dry. Please. Today, I want us to reflect what is that thing that you're waiting to achieve so your life will begin? Because there is nothing more important than God's love for you. So if there's something you are waiting to achieve, if you say, man, I don't wait, when I all blow like this? No, no, no. You, you, the love has blown you. You're blown by the love. So leave. Because the truth is that it, no matter the, the number one record, the heat, that thing is lasting only a week or two. Because guys are not wasting, they're not chilling. Like people are, they are churning week by week. Billboard cannot go 52 weeks now for your track, just sitting down there. Some people, some sons are not waiting. You understand? My point is that, but that shouldn't be your basis. You're, you're, not, as, you're not your last hit. So if they call you one hit wonder, don't feel bad. Just know that adventure has taken you on. You're doing other things. Find adventure. Don't be, don't be limited. Don't, and even if you're, if you're in your career too, everything is supposed to be powered by love. If you're a doctor, you are responding from love. The patient is yours to love. If you're a lawyer, it's yours to love. So guys, what is that thing today that is breaking you? What is that your, what's your worst nightmare? If it's any of these things, lost of the flesh, lost of the eye pride of life, you need to transact. If any of these things is the basis upon which you're suffering, you're unhappy, no joy, no peace, your identity is on shifting sand. The only place we are called to build identity is on our sonship. Let's pray. So where are you this morning? What's on your radar? Your deep sense of unfulfillment and lack of joy, what's causing it? What's causing it? Rejoice. Okay. 
Nothing is meant to mean more to us than God. You can't be trying to love others when you have not discovered that you are loved. It is the basis of God's love for you that powers you to love others. You can't accept people when you have not accepted yourself. Sometimes you think people are rejecting you. They're not rejecting you. It's just because they've not accepted themselves. So you're caught in their civil war. You're caught in their civil war. Their opinion of you is not your worth. God's opinion of you is your worth. I want you to start making a mental note of the things you want to walk through to reclaim your heart. What makes your emotion to be uncontrollable? Your emotions are all over the place. What's that thing that causes your emotions to just spread? We are not free to love if we are not free in love. It is realizing that we are free in our Father's love that powers us to love. Your job is not your identity. Your job was given to you by God to express divinity, but it was never meant to be your source of meaning, of identity, of value. Whether or not you produce your love by your Father. Today, Father, we are praying that you will free us from every limitation. Pour your revelation of love into our hearts. I am not what I have, I'm not what I do, I'm not what people think of me, I'm not what I am going through, I'm not my worst moment, I'm not my best moment. As sons, we are called to come up higher. Just take a moment to reflect on the mystery of God's love for you. you see God broke into the brokenness God entered your shame he entered your pain he entered your confusion today God comes into every space I don't know if you're here and for you you feel so very strongly that you need healing healing in your self-image just stand up you need healing in your self-esteem you need healing in your own understanding in your identity you're not embarrassed you're not embarrassed let's rise and put your hand on your chest and just pray lord heal every space You're not embarrassed in You can log on to the tribelagos.com or email us at Hello at the tribelagos.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter on the Tribe Lagos. God bless.